Hello, this is Dr. Jeff Craig, superintendent of the West Aurora Schools, welcoming you to episode 33 of the West Aurora 129 podcast. In today's episode, we are very privileged to converse with a figure, a young man, who has been a fixture in our district for over three decades. He currently serves as the president of the Aurora Education Association West, which is our labor union for our West Aurora teachers. But his journey in our district began in the spring of 1990 as a young student teacher at Greenman Elementary, followed by an impressive 24-year tenure teaching fifth grade and six years teaching kindergarten. Now, in his fourth year as the teacher's union president, he has been an active member of the AEAW since the onset of his career, contributing to the negotiation of 10 teacher contracts in District 129. Not just confined to the classroom, this individual has been involved in every after-school sports program at Greenman since his days as a student teacher and coached sixth grade volleyball at Jewel and Jefferson Middle Schools. We're honored and privileged to have Mr. Mike Lehman with us today. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Not sure how you say young man in 30 years in the district, but I'll take it. It's all about attitude, That's right? right? You know, and especially when they can't see the visual on me, everything works. <laughs> well, it's it's, uh, it's great to have you here, and it's great to, uh, I mean, you are a part of our, of our institution, and uh, certainly privileged to have you here. You know, if you could, uh, for our listeners, and just for a little background, a lot of times we'll, we will bring people into our podcast in introduce them to the district. Um, this is kind of our swan song. You'll be uh, finishing up at the end of this year. And uh, so this is a great opportunity to be able to kind of look back a little nostalgically to, and along that path. So if you could talk to us a little bit about your, your background before joining 129 and then kind of what nudged you to pursue a career in education? Uh, you know, the career in education was just something that I wanted to do. I, I think when my schedule got dropped at NIU, that really just kind of pushed me into it saying, hey, now's the time. They dropped all my classes. I got to fill up my schedule. I'm going to fill them up with what I want to. And that's when I actually just started. I dove into uh, my education classes in sophomore year. Awesome. Now, my sophomore year at NIU, we had to do some student teaching and they actually placed us, myself and, and a class of, of kids in West Aurora. So I did a sophomore block of student teaching. It was Tuesday, Thursdays. It was at Hill Elementary School wow. with Rick Lowy. Rick Lowy was at Hill and then uh, finished up his tenure at Jewel Middle School as a teacher. And I, I, I just loved it. I had a blast at Hill. It was that the kids were great. The teachers were great. It was it was a community and an atmosphere that I would not experienced. I am an Oaklawn kid, which is kind of a South Side Chicago type suburb kid. And I didn't grow up with the diversity that Hill School had. I really enjoyed it. I kept in communication with Rick for the rest of my sophomore and junior year, hoping that I would then sign up for West Aurora for my senior student teaching and that he would nab me and I'd start all that fun again. Hill was not on the list of getting student senior student teachers at the time. It was Freeman, Greenman, and Nicholson. That was Rick Johnson, Doug Zolper, and Steve Wilson. Oh, were the from the past. And uh, so, yeah, we had to go through a little interviewing process with them, and uh, I got selected for Greenman. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. It's, you know, sometimes it's good to have, uh, you know, be born with a horseshoe up your fanny. So does that catapult you then into seeking full-time employment with West Aurora because of that it, it did. So my senior student teaching went well, very much became uh, a part of that community, and there was an opening or two there at that time and was able to... I senior, I senior student taught in fifth grade with uh, Jim Racy and Kathy McBride at that time, Yarborough now, wow. and then uh, hired on and worked with both of them. 
And when you talk about being at Hill and having that great experience there, that was our that was the original Hill back then, yes. our yeah. 1888 version. That was that was the old version. Yes. Yeah, it was quite the old place. It was. It was classic. Yeah, lots of stories about it. <laughs> so you know, you've had a chance, and you talked about your longevity of 34 years. Um, if you look back at that body of work, back when that bright-eyed kid, when you interviewed for those student teaching, and then subsequently uh, back into Greenman. What are some of the, the most significant changes that you have seen uh, with our parents and students and education in general? You know, I, I think with the, with the education part, um, Doug Zolper, DZ, who was my first principal, um, always shared knowledge, advice, thoughts about education. One of the things he always told me was that, you know, education is like a wheel. So whatever's at the top of the wheel right now, it's there, it's popular, it's what's in and what we're working at. But eventually that wheel will spin and you'll change off that and something new will take its place. But eventually, no matter what, that wheel's going to spin and it's going to come right back to where it was. You're doing the same thing. It's got a different name. It was tweaked a little bit. But that's that's education. It's this spinning wheel. And and I've noticed that throughout, both with reading instruction, with math instruction, that wheel always spins. Have you seen any changes with, with parents' approaches or students and how they are? You know, yeah, with the parents and students, I think I've, I've always had very good luck of having strong parental support when I was in my classrooms. I always really appreciated that. Good rapport with parents, easy to talk to. They had no problem talking with me. I think as a student, um, I think the student needs have increased over time mm. from what they were to what they are now. And I think those, you know, those needs, those student needs now, they're not only a challenge for the teacher to meet all those needs, but it's also equally as tough on the parents sure. because they're not always sure on what's best for to do for their child to meet those needs. I always do think that, you know, the parent and the teacher working together, listening to each other will in the end help that student more, which should then help both the student and the parent see more positive results for their need. I think that was really, that became even more strongly apparent to me when I moved to kindergarten because you really need to have that good parent-teacher relationship in order to meet the kids, meet the needs of those little ones. Because back then, that was their starting point. Yeah. Yeah. And back then, um, we didn't have full-time kindergarten. Yeah. You know, in those days, it was half days. I can only imagine what that would have been like. That would have been crazy. And then th that was their first immersion into, oh, you mean there's other kids that are important as well. Right. Yeah. yeah, which is a tough transition. That's why we have pre-K now, right? Yeah, yeah. Those those the pre-K teachers are doing their own marvelous marvelous job out absolutely. there. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we talked about your your introduction into education with the student teaching, and then the, um, the very successful run as a classroom teacher. What what prompted you to think about taking on this leadership role with our collective bargaining unit? I knew I had four years left. And so with my four years left, it was very important to me to make sure that I could maybe coach and advise mm. new leadership coming in the best way I could. And I felt that the best way I could do that would be to vie for the role of union president. Makes sense. And, you know, I have had enough background and experience in different areas of both the teachers association working with administration. I thought I had good communication skills or decent enough. And I thought that, you know, working forward, it was two things. Number one, I knew that we would have a contract that we would still need to work on one more time. And I felt that my experience would be helpful in helping get a new contract done. And like I said, it was important to me to make sure that we had some good listeners, good positive listeners and workers from a union, from a teacher's union perspective to be able to go forward after I'm out of here. So let's talk a little bit about that, not the, the intricacies of the contract itself, 
But when you approach those negotiation uh, timeframes, how do you balance the needs of roughly, what, 970 some odd members, uh, the certified staff, knowing that there's also needs from the district? How do you help navigate and balance that? So it's important for me to have a good team of individuals who I can work with and rely upon and trust. Both they'll listen to me and I'll listen to them. We have, you, you have different concerns at different levels. We have five different levels in this district from a teaching perspective, pre-K, elementary, middle, high school, and Hope Wall. So there are so many diverse needs out there. You need to surround yourself with other people that can help address those needs. But just because, just I have always recognized that we may have teaching concerns in the classrooms that we would like administration to, to address. And yet we don't, we're, we're looking, sometimes I see that from, just the classroom perspective. But I'm able to sit down, I think, sometimes and listen to what the administrative perspective is on that to see, okay, I know that I want this, but you're saying that that doesn't necessarily, that could virtually be impossible. Sure. So I think I've had, a, I've had good luck with working with administration on meeting as many goals and needs in this district as we can, both from a teacher's perspective, but also from an administration's perspective. So I guess I might need something in the classroom, but I don't recognize that that's only one domino. So if I wanted, I wanted to incorporate, I wanted to incorporate some sort of different perspective in, in the primary elementary area, I might say, Hey, well, this is what, this is what I would like for the, you know, in these classrooms for these teachers. Okay. Well, that's great, Mike. But if we do that, this domino falls, that domino falls, and it affects all of these other areas. Absolutely. And so you, you can't, as much as you'd like to take it from a, a singular perspective, you can't because we're a unit district and we need to look at things from a larger picture. So let's, I want to ask you a little probing more. You brought up the conversation about working with administration and having some of those skill sets. What are some of those, those tangibles that you possess or that you would encourage your successors to work on to help you navigate and work with between the teachers and the administration? I have found for myself that if I want to be genuinely listened to, I need to genuinely listen back. Mm. So, you know, I can squawk, I can be angry, I can get upset, but if I'm looking for solutions to my problems or the issues, then I need to sit, I need to take a deep breath, and I need to listen to what the other side's got to say to me. So that there's at least hopefully a middle ground that can be met. There isn't always, but fortunately... In my time, I don't think that there are any walls that I've, brick walls that I've had to run into and get a face plant on. Yeah. That's important. I hope that people who are listening um, heed that. Well, you know, because there are so many other challenges that are continuing to be thrown our way in education, Mm -hmm. outer challenges that are, if, if we were to work on our inner challenges more together, might like make life better and easier for our working world. It's a great point and, and sage advice. And I, you know, open-mindedness, you've talked about that a few times, uh, which leads me to a next question that you, you, I'm, I'm just going to say it for you. I think you've had a successful run as a, as an educator, um, as a leader of educators. Uh, what would you, if you were to put one or two things up on your shelf as your trophies of what are some of your guiding philosophies or principles um, for your education career? I think for the, you just, you're always learning. You you can't ever think that you know it all because the moment you think that you know it all is probably the time that you should pack your bags and put your boxes together and say, all right, I'm done. I'm checking out. Each class is unique to itself. 
and you're always you should always you're always going to learn something from one class that hopefully you can apply to the next class but yet there are going to be mannerisms and and different things that you have to tweak because this class learns different than that class from a younger teacher perspective there the the challenges that i think that the younger teachers are seeing and having to face nowadays i don't feel like we're that dire that strong in my day Mm. and i i always you know in order i always know that in order to keep your head above water you need to rely upon those veterans around you i was very fortunate i had great veteran teachers not only when i was introduced to them at hill for my senior my sophomore block but senior student teaching and then my years growing up in greenman you know i was a baby i was 21 when i started there wasn't anybody in their 20s (laughs) in that building and you know i had good strong veteran people who helped guide me. And when they realized that, you know, okay, yeah, I'm doing fine. Um, if I made mistakes, yeah, they let me make mistakes. It's okay. But I always had somebody that I could go back to and I could ask questions about or questions to and, and seek guidance from. And I think that is what a younger teacher needs to think about. Figure out, find some veteran, somebody around you that you can rely upon, you can trust that you're going to get some good advice from. And you can take that advice or not take it, but at least it's something to think about as you're trying to work your way through this puzzle that you've got in front of you. And that puzzle could be with kids in your classroom, could be with parents, could be with building administration. It doesn't matter. But I mean, there are questions that need to be asked, and you're going to always help yourself in education if you ask those questions. Certainly would be worth a... Uh a worth its weight in gold to be able to have those conversations with our new teacher inductions. Yeah. That's great advice. You know what? I'm going to ask you to, to reflect back for a little bit. Um, you pick your role, teacher, coach, mentor, union leadership. Are there any particular moments, opportunities, experiences that stand out for you? As a teacher, when I taught fifth grade, I had, we used to have a best in the West Aurora award Mm. in this district where it was always like at the end of the year in May, there was an awards assembly or things that were passed out and divvied out. You could be nominated by parents or other teachers for this best in the West award. I got a best in the West award from two of my students. Two fifth grade students. And that cool. hadn't happened in the building. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. It was uh, Kathia and Yesenia. So Salsa and Yo is what their nicknames were. And um, so, yeah, I got nominated for it. And so, yeah, that, that made uh, that made a teacher kind of tear up a little bit. So that was rotten for the kids to do. But um, <laughs> that was great. I would say when I transitioned down to kindergarten, when I moved down to kindergarten, I think that the funniest thing was, um, and I enjoyed it thoroughly, was knowing that 25 five-year-olds could just kick your butt up and down mm. the, the, the dial for an entire year. And, um, you know, it was great. It was it was just a lot of fun. So those are two different things. Well, and the fact that, you know, who knew that me moving to kindergarten, I was going to find kids who enjoyed or found burping and farting as funny as I did. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, I realized I'm finally home. Um <laughs> But that's from a teaching perspective. From a coaching perspective, I've loved coaching. So I started, Greenman didn't have a program at at all. So I was doing that. I started basketball up with the kids when I was student teaching. And that was when we used to have sixth graders in there and the sixth graders, you know, now I'm a little bit, I've got a little more weight on my bones after all these years, but 21 years old, I think I was, I was pushing maybe like 125, 130 in in my lovely five, nine frame. And these are big man children. I mean, these kids are huge knocking me around, but I always did, uh, I did basketball back in the day at Greenman when we used to then travel. 
we would get in uh, we would get in different teachers' cars at, or parents' cars, and we would travel. We went over to Nicholson and we played at Hill. That's did, changed a lot. We, oh yeah, we did basketball games over there, and then I've always I've done volleyball for my 34 years there at the place. Yeah, which we've now set up into uh, we do our own little elementary tournament beginning of December. That was 10 years old this year. McCleary, Schneider, Goodwin are always mainstays. We used to have Hill doing that too. Wow. So that's always been fun. Middle school was always fun. I started over at middle school when Jewel opened because they didn't have a coach for sixth graders. So teacher who used to teach uh, PE at Greenman had moved over to Jewel and said, hey, Mike, we could use you. Started over at Jewel, worked with Sue Ludwigs, who is an old Jewel PE teacher, Golden Apple recipient, absolutely fantastic individual. Loved working with her, worked with her for about a dozen years, had to take off because I did my own uh, coaching with my daughter who was doing travel softball. Yeah. And then got back into it when Jefferson opened up. And Jefferson was a blast. Enjoyed it thoroughly. Never let any moss grow under your feet, right? No. You know, it's good to keep busy. Absolutely. But no, good kids, always good experiences. And, you know, it's and it's also fun that you get to follow some of those kids who did your program at Greenman. You know, we're then sometimes over at Jewel or at Jefferson. Yeah. So <clears throat> they already know me. They already know what the expectations are. So it makes your teams a little bit stronger. Sometimes. I bet. So it was fun. Yeah. And then from a union perspective, you know, I, I think my my goal, other than to, to try and help things progress smoothly after I left, was to just provide assistance, guidance, advice, whatever I could do for those who needed it here. And I think that's been good. You, you never know what people need out there. When you're working in your classroom, you know, that becomes all encompassing. And then, you know, in your building, you recognize and realize sometimes, oh, this person's having a hard time or this person, you know, is having some other family issues. But it, it's a it's a much larger deal when you look at it from a 950 teacher approach. Absolutely. And different there are different needs at different levels and in the different areas in which people work. And so I by no means have all the answers, as my wife would be happy to tell you. But, you know, you at least for all the. For all the years and the experience that I've accumulated, I can just provide people with ideas and thoughts and advice as to what I know and how I might drive that bus. But in the end, you know, it's up to them to pick it. But it, it's been good. I, I'm really fortunate to say that in 34 years of education, 33 and a half, because I know we still have got another half a year left, you know, I've got nothing to complain about. I, I've loved it. I've had a great experience and I've been very fortunate. You know, when you talk about uh, your body of work, and it's rare anymore that people will be in a singular district for that long. And so I think bears the asking, um, you've seen our district over time. What do you think has evolved the most in District 129? And where do you think we need to be heading moving forward after we depart here? I think from a moving forward perspective, I, I feel like things are in good shape. I think that there is a good line of communication that has been going on since I've been in this position. And, you know, I jumped into this position, you know, right after COVID hit. So, you know, COVID hit in that March and, and I happened to be in line right after that. And mm. there were, we had, we obviously, we had lots of different curveballs thrown at our head. We did. And there were lots of different pitfalls along the way. We've got a plan in place. We've got an idea in place. And then all of a sudden something else changes from a state or a, you know, country's perspective. And we have to change things again. Good, you know, open lines of communication were established. And I think that those have been continued throughout all of my tenure in this position. I think that I've tried to continue that communication with the people that I work with to the best of my abilities. So that moving forward, you've got, you know, a new administration that 
isn't all that new. You know, you've got people that are moving to different positions from an administrative approach, and you're going to have different people who are in my teachers union leadership who are also going to be in different positions moving forward. Sure. And yet I think a lot of those, I think there are good lines of communications that have been established, and I just hope that those continue forward. That would be critical, ask? that's for sure. Yeah. Yep. So you talked about you being a brand new baby and 21 years old, <laughs> you know, big eyed, green behind the ears. What advice would you give now that you've had your career to those um, those new kids coming up into the education field? I think like I said before, you need to ask questions. Nobody is expecting you to know everything. And and I think that's a pressure that some of the kids, some of the new people coming in have. You know, they've graduated and there are there are so many things that aren't taught in college that they need to know, mm. but they don't really get the correct experience at the college level that you that the real world becomes for you once you step into a classroom and you need to rely upon you need to find somebody uh, somebody with some veteran years behind them and be willing to ask questions realize you're, you're not being criticized for asking these questions and not knowing these answers and it's okay I, everybody was in the same spot they were in once upon a time absolutely um my, I have a 22-year-old daughter, and this is her first year in education, high school up in Wisconsin, city of Milwaukee. And, you know, I hear her, and all I do is offer advice. It's hard sometimes because I have to bite my tongue, but I just offer advice because in the end, she's got to make the decisions sure. as to what she's going to do and what she's not going to do. She's going to be successful in some things. She's going to fail in some things. But just because you fail doesn't mean, you know, the world's coming to an end. Nope. Realize what your mistake is. That's okay. And you fix it. You know, don't get stuck in that mud. Stick something underneath that tire. Spin yourself out of there and move forward. Um, the younger generation needs to know there are going to be challenges that they never anticipated. And they're going to be okay. Look for support. Ask for help. And tomorrow's always another day. You might have had a rough day today. Tomorrow will be a better day. Have a better attitude. Have good attitude coming in with it. Sound advice. I mean, they're good kids. There, there are a lot of really good young teachers out there wanting to do their job and wanting to do their job well. And just like when I was young and inexperienced, I, I, did, I wasn't afraid to ask questions. And I had lots of good veteran leadership who had no problem wagging their finger at me or tongue lashing me to say, nah, don't be doing that, Lehman. Don't be, you know. But I think that as our schools, as our communities grown and our schools have gotten larger, you don't tend to have those tight-knit um, staffs, staff experiences where everybody sees everybody and kind of knows what's going on. As our buildings have grown, you, you only, you, other than your team that you work with, you might see, recognize one team, you know, or two teams as you're passing in the, because you're always passing in the halls at the same time. But outside of that, I mean, people are busy, so it's hard for them to stay in tune with what's going on with everybody else. And that socialization piece. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's important because it, it's, it helps strengthen a school when people know what's going on with each other and have each other's backs or, or at least have more empathy for one another of what something might, somebody might be going through. It, it just, it helps. So, but that's another challenge in education. Absolutely. And from a younger kid who doesn't really know that or recognize that it's tough. And societally, I think that's been, more the norm where we, you know, at the end of the of a workday, we just pack up and go home right. rather than come back together in that grouping. And, and 
time has time is difficult for people, you know. And I, as you get older and you decide to have a family, you know, you're more you have more time that you want to commit to home, to your spouse, to your kids, to your to your pet. Sure. Um, and you know, from a younger perspective, you sometimes don't realize how valuable you have uh, that how valuable that quote unquote free time is when you know when you have it. Well. As a young teacher, use that time sometimes to become more of your school community, more of more of that school family. Know what's going on, get to know those parents or your parents, just even your parents more. Um, have them recognize a face. Um, I, I, I'm much older looking now than I was when I started, <laughs> and yet I can still be outside of Greenman dismissing kids, and there are always going to be people walking by. You, Mr. Lehman, you're still here? <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. I'm not dead yet. But yeah, and, and you know, but but that's... That's the fun thing about education. Um, you we, you get into education because you want to make a difference for kids. You want to help kids and you want to make a difference for kids. And you don't always see that instant, you know, oh, I did it. But it's down the road when all of a sudden sometimes some of those kids come back and visit you out of the blue. Hey, sure. do you remember me? Or they see you going by and, hey, aren't you so? And like, yeah. And, oh, I used to. I loved you. Oh, this you were the best. This and that, whatever. That's that's the payoff. That's that's the gold in education. Absolutely. Knowing that, you know what? I know I didn't goof up there. So I, I you know, I accomplished one. something well there. That's right. That's right. You know? And I had, when I moved down to kindergarten, I ended up having, that became, uh, I had a third generation. So I had, I had taught mom once upon a time in fifth grade. And then eventually I taught daughter in fifth grade because I was up there for 24 years. Sure. So you can do your math. It's, yep. it was okay. But then when I moved down to kindergarten, I got daughters. Wow. Kiddo. So I, I had a third generation. That's awesome. So, yeah, it was fine. It's a mighty big impact. You know, and I think the listeners are going to be shocked to hear that you aren't shy about asking questions. Tongue in cheek. As Again, as my wife would say, hey, you don't know everything. I, <laughs> and I recognize that. It's all good. But that's all, you know, that's part of, I think, it's part of education. It's no different even in my role. You know, you don't, when you don't know everything, just be willing to ask and or listen to some of those answers. You bet. So, so as we look to wrap up here, um, you've heard over and over and over my, my rhetoric about my philosophy about public education. And there's lots of misinformation, disinformation, erroneous information about what public education does or doesn't do. I'd be interested to have you share with our parents and our community your Mike Lehman belief about the state of public education at this time. Well, I think as we talked about earlier, it's changed immensely from when I started. Yes. Um, and I think with that, I think I, I'd like to see that, you know, I, I'd like people to understand and trust in the fact that the adults that are working in our schools with our students are, are trying to do what's best for their child. Um, I don't think that, I, I think that gets challenged a lot. Yes. And, and I think that's, it, it makes it for, it makes it more difficult to educate the child because the teacher and the parent working together are always going to be able to accomplish more for that student and for that child than any kind of butting of heads. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, it's just with that, I, I think that I've got, I mean, I might have one of 25 students and it happens to be yours. And, and we're having issues or we're having problems. We're trying to help your child get through something. There needs to be hopefully the opportunity where you as the parent are listening to me, but also that me as the teacher are, are also listening to you. It, it, I really, I, I'm concerned in education that 
it it's become more of a of a battle where when a parent has or sees concerns with their child at the school or in the classroom that it all of a sudden becomes a blame game mm. instead of a hey can we sit down and work this out or try and figure out what we can do better together to help out my son or my daughter it becomes a you know i'm i'm finger pointing you at the teacher you didn't do this or you didn't do this you didn't you said this or you didn't say that as opposed to sitting down and trying to work through this um Again, I was fortunate, and, and I think in all my years of agreement, and it's not to say that I, I think every parent loved me and that I was magical for every parent that I had to deal with, but I always had great support. Overall, I can always say, I always had great support from my parents there. And, and that was the same both at fifth grade and at kindergarten. And I had plenty of challenges at kindergarten because, you know, kindergarten was basically, you know, the first full year sure. in school. And so there were lots of calls out. So it's, you know, I sat, had to sit down for my old man approach and say, look, let's talk through this and get through this. Um, it's, it's a challenge in education. It's tough. And it wears when you, the, the more veteran you are, the more maybe you've experienced this. And so you are able to kind of go with the flow and deal with some of those punches that you take. I think it's tough on some of the young kids. I think it is, it becomes as many challenges as there are already in the classroom for them, working with their students and, and trying to get them to be their best with the curriculum that's being taught. Having that additional aspect of a parent or parents on their back about this or on their back about that, it, it, it deters, it just takes away from the job that they're trying to do. Sounds like we, uh, back to your very early analogy of the wheel, that we need to get back on that wheel and have that, that teacher-parent relationship become priority number one to be able to help their kids. It would be nice. Yep. Well, Mike, um, it's been a, it's an honor and a pleasure a, to have this conversation today. Um, it's been a pleasure and an honor to be able to work with you. You know, you talked about being open-minded, and I think that's how we've been successful navigating all the different challenges. You talk about the pandemic and every other piece that bubbles up, uh, being able to have reasonable dialogue, and I think um, that's how we make best decisions uh, collaboratively. So thank you for that as well. You're welcome. So this has uh, been our conversation with Mike Lehman, our West Aurora Union president. Uh, thank you for being here. Please remember that you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, YouTube Music, SoundCloud, and the TuneIn Radio app. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.